Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Dan Hitt. We're going to talk about Dan's hobby journey, which uh, intersected uh, a couple of times with me. So we'll have uh, some great reminiscences. But first, thanks sponsors, Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Dan, veteran Beckett Publications, star employee from the early days, great teammate. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan. I want the listeners to hear some of the things I know. I may learn some things, too, about your hobby journey, starting even before when I met you when you were a, a young teenager. Okay, well, thanks, thanks, Jim, for having me, and and hopefully um, I'm not going too far back and and just talking about myself, and and uh, it's not a completely boring uh, episode of your fine podcast, but but we'll we'll do our best. I'll try to make it interesting. Good. Uh, I grew up in Dallas, like a lot of people know, and growing up in Dallas, and I was born in '64, so growing up in Dallas in the '70s, mainly as a you know a, a young kid into a teenager, everybody here was a Dallas Cowboys fan. You had to be a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? My dad wasn't really ever much of a sports fan. I mean, he probably watched the Cowboys with me on games on Sunday, but wasn't a big sports fan. I had an older cousin, a year or two older, who was, and he played sports. And so I kind of spent a lot of time with him and just grew up loving sports. Played a lot of soccer in the 70s. Soccer was huge here in Dallas in the 70s with the Dallas Tornado. and Lamar Hunt owned the Dallas Tornadoes and started the uh, North American Soccer League. So I played a lot of tons of football and like most kids, especially in the 70s, tons of baseball, whenever I could uh, play football almost every day after school, if you could. So I grew up a huge Dallas Cowboy fan, bought my first packs in about 1973, never really was a card collector as a, a young kid, but bought packs here and there and had, you know, just a smattering of cards, but wasn't a heavy card collector. When I was in eighth grade in junior high, I got uh, forced into a music class. And if anybody knows me, music, I love music, but I can't sing. I'm not a musician. I, I'd be the worst musician ever. So I find myself stuck in this music class wondering what in the world I'm going to contribute in this music class. And uh, as uh, eight would have it, I sat next to a guy that I didn't know named Scott Kirkland. He was a year younger than me. Uh, a year younger than me. He was seventh grade. I was in eighth grade. And quickly we struck up a friendship. He was like, like me. We didn't have any. We loved music. And we were interested in music, but not a music class. And it was basically a singing, a singing class. <laughs> Neither one of us had anything, anything to do with singing, believe me. So we talked about sports all the time. We quick, quickly became best friends, found out that he collected cards, and he had a, a more sizable card collection than I did. And uh, that was uh, probably in the you know, early fall of 78, I'm thinking. So the first set I started really collecting was 78 Tops football. And we both collected together. We built a set. We traded with some other kids in, at the school. And all I did was to drive down or ride my bike down to uh, the local grocery store. Uh, we had Skiller stores around here back then, a drugstore in Albertsons, and we just buy packs of cards. Uh, there was a local, you know, a local five and dime. There's Emmy Moses. We could, so we rode our bikes around the neighborhood buying packs, and we just built a set. And that's all I thought there was to card collecting, you know, and it took forever for us to build that 78 Tops football set. Then, you know, months later, we were on to 79 Tops baseball. And didn't like collecting baseball as much. There were too many cards, and it just took too long to build the set. And baseball wasn't my, you know, wasn't my favorite sport. Just naturally, like I said, growing up in the 70s, naturally a, sport, a football fan, a Cowboy fan. So everybody loved Landry and Staubach, the leaders of the Cowboys. Uh, they were bigger than life here. I loved Drew Pearson, Tony Hill, Robert Newhouse, Tony Dorsett, the defensive side. Everybody loved Randy White, Harvey Martin, Tutal Jones. My brother, who was about uh, four years younger than me, we loved defensive football, too. And so we always loved Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris. We were right at the top of our list of favorite players. 
whenever we would play football, a lot of times we'd play safety or defensive back and we'd be Charlie Waters and Cliff Harris growing up. Uh, we still talk about that. So loved uh, the Cowboys. So Scott really introduced me as luck would have it. Fate would have it. He introduced me to collecting football cards and didn't really, like I said, didn't have any clue. There was any kind of organized hobby. Didn't really know that you, it was even possible to go back and collect older cards along the way. Scott, again, found a book at the bookstore called by Roger Treat, Encyclopedia of Football. It's basically a history of the NFL, and it was a real thick book about the size of old-fashioned big phone book. And uh, I was fascinated by it. Um, I had to immediately buy one, too. And it opened up a completely new door for me in the football history, learning about the history of the NFL. And uh, it had a year-by-year, you know, kind of a history, the standing, the teams, the key players, list of Hall of Fame players, the star players. And I just spent so much time in that book, like Scott did, learning about the history of the NFL. So it really whet my appetite to find out just more. And I became kind of through football, I think, a, a real fan of history. Not sure why. I'm just kind of built that way, I think. Uh, I'm as much interested in learning about the background and history of that subject and I'm kind of moving forward. So I've always kind of collected vintage stuff or collected backwards instead of collecting forward. So wasn't really too interested in collecting that current year set moving forward. Just trying to, once I found out that, hey, there was older stuff, I, I want to collect all that. That's what I really wanted to collect. About that time, we found out through an ad in the newspaper, local newspaper, that there was a, a baseball card show or convention, as they were called back then, coming to Dallas. And I think it was it was put on by our friend Gervis Ford. And I think it was, you probably know, Jim, but I think it was at a Holiday Inn, probably at near 6060. Central Expressway near the Cowboys' old offices? Yeah, well, there, there was a Twin Cities uh, hotel that was right there, yeah. Okay, this is probably 79, probably 1980, right in that time. Had no idea there was even such a thing, but my my stepdad at the time was kind of preparing and said, hey, this is, you know, this is going to be a show. There's going to be a lot of dealers here. You can buy all kinds of stuff, so save up your money. So I think I, I scraped together. I was working a little bit, and Scott and I probably saved up probably about $100 a piece and went there, and, and it just... It was like the, it was just a, I can't even describe the experience. It just opened a completely new world to, to me about what was out there and what was available. And, you know, I can still remember the layout of the show. I still remember some of the cards I bought there. Uh, I bought a 1935 National Chickle New Rockney card there and a couple of other singles from that set. Things that I thought, you know, first of all, I didn't know they existed, but I had no idea you could buy anything from the 1930s, you know, related to football. We also, about that same time, you know, we were into football history and just reading about. So we were buying the Football Digest, Street and Smith, um, other football annuals. And a lot of, a few car dealers would post ads in the back, well, you know, um, classified ads. And there was one uh, from Wholesale Cards. I don't know if you remember Wholesale Cards. Yep. But there was a little ad. And uh, we, Scott and I, probably Scott first, he was always seemed to have the good ideas on that kind of stuff. We sent away for his catalog, Bruce Yeko, and I think he was in Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. And he sent this little digest-sized uh, sports card catalog. And it was mostly baseball and a ton of non-sports, but there were a few pages of listings of football stuff they had for sale. And it immediately became a game changer for me. I would, anytime I had any extra money, I'd be ordering something from wholesale cards. And you could go back. He had uh, football set listings from any set from like 73 to 77, which is what I needed. I didn't have those. 9.95 a piece. 70, 71. I can remember it like it was yesterday. 12.95. 
work back into the 60s. It were 1995, and you worked your way back. And eventually, you didn't have complete sets available, just a whole bunch of singles. But you could buy lots of singles. So you could buy maybe 75 different 1960 Tops football for 20 cents a piece or 30 cents a piece, whatever it might be. And so anytime I had money, I would you know order from wholesale cards. And I'm, I was always, even for the beginning, I was kind of condition conscious. Not that we knew what the difference between a mint and a gym mint card was, you know, anything like that. But I wanted my old cards to look like they came out of packs recently, just like the new cards we were buying. And so I never really, unless it was something really scarce, like a, you know, a 30s national chickle card, I was always pretty conscious for condition. So even at card shows, I was not really buying VG type material, even X type stuff. So I was really, really picky. And I didn't have a lot of money. So I, I was able to be that picky. Yeah, the uh, Fast forward to the part where you got more immersed into the organized hobby and you actually, I don't know if you got money for working at first base or whether you got trade out, but that was, had to be shortly thereafter. So that really immersed you into the, into being in a card shop. Was that in 80 or 81 or 82? When was that? It, uh, yeah, I think 80 or 81. Uh, again, Scott and I were limited to where we could ride our bikes, right? And so there was a, uh, an old mall, a Lockwood Mall. It was called Treehouse for a while, Lockwood Mall, that was within riding distance, but not real close to our house. It was miles and miles away, but we could ride our bike there. And one day, Scott must have ridden his bike there. And the, the, the mall was largely closed, but a good part of the mall was set up uh, like a flea market or a, kind of a trade, a weekend trade thing. And he found a, a card shop there, like a re- little weekend card shop. And so we'd ride our bikes up there, and I couldn't believe it. And we'd go up there, we'd buy SCDs. That's how we got introduced to Sports Collectors Digest. And, and it just opened up a whole new world. Who knew that there could be any kind of physical store for cards? That we found these online mail order places, right? And you know, lo and behold, that was the beginning of first base. I don't even know if it was called first base then. Maybe it was, uh, but we just knew it as you know a local dealer at a, a flea market. And I don't think the shop was there too long, maybe a year or so, I'm guessing. And then it moved out to North Dallas. And I'd have to have my mom drive me way out to North Dallas uh, to go to, you know, first base. I guess that was probably 81, I'm thinking. Right in there, 81, 82 is when it moved out to North Dallas. And, and pretty quickly, I was probably there every Saturday for a while, pretty quickly. Wayne Grove was kind of the manager. And uh, you and Gervis were kind of part of it. And we're in and out, I guess, from time to time. And y'all offered me a chance to, to go up there and work. And I'm pretty sure I probably just worked on Saturdays for a while and maybe came out on some Sundays to sort cards and things like that. And early on, I was just uh, just for store credits, right? Trading cards. I wouldn't get paid cash. It was just to uh, build my collection and, and have some, some uh, money to spend there without having to spend cash. Yeah. In hindsight, now, it's, it's obvious we should have paid you in cash. It's <laughs> Because you had such a sharp eye, you knew, and we were getting, uh, you know, people walking in with collections, and I know you're involved with that too. So that uh, clearly, uh, I don't. It says, it, how great a job did you think it was for a high school kid? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, looking back on it now, and maybe I've got rose-covered, you know, colored glasses, like they say, but um, I think it's a great job now for somebody. I know, I know Wayne. I know Wayne. Wayne and I loved it. We had so much fun there. Uh, for a high school kid, it was kind of probably beyond a really kind of a dream job. It was just a perfect job for me. And I worked there all the way through college. So through high school, most of high school and all the way through college. And college for me was five years. It wasn't four. So uh, I was there for, for, for a while through college. It, and it was, uh, it couldn't have been better. But, you know, at, at some point when I was able to, probably when I graduated high school, or even as a senior, I think I had got out early and I was driving. So I started working more kind of 
full time every day at the shop, at least a few hours during the week. And I think we stayed open a few hours later to sort cards and get things ready. There was so much card sorting and we were, y'all were buying so many collections. It was just incredible the volume of vintage cards that, that came through that shop when I was there. Uh, there was always things to do. And, and when the, you know, the new baseball card sets were released and by 81, there were three companies, of course, doing baseball and they were all big sets. We had, we were sorting so many cases of cards. It was very, very labor intensive, at least for the top set, the dollar set. So there was just a, always a lot of work to do, but it was a, just a lot of fun. And uh, you're right. I got to kind of not really cherry pick the, the stuff I wanted, but in a way I, I got first dibs on, you know, some of the, the best football stuff. I don't think anybody else collected football there at the shop and, and football stuff was cheap anyway. So most of the, our best customers were baseball guys and they were collecting vintage baseball. They didn't care much about vintage football. So when we bought big baseball collections and there was some good football stuff there, I usually got first dibs on that. I remember we bought one collection that had, it must have had just hundreds of vintage baseball sets in it and some football too. But the thing I remember about it, it had three 1966 Topps football sets, which if anybody knows about 66 Topps AFL sets, they're pretty tough. They are a, a wood grain border, so they chip real easy. They're hard to find in nice shape. So consequently, I never really collected the set up until then because I couldn't get any high-grade ones. And I was spending my money on other high-grade stuff that I could just find. Bill, so I never really collected the set. But we bought three sets in a collection that literally looked like they came out of packs the day before. The most incredible condition I've ever seen. And I think we 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 put a price tag of $100 a piece on them, which in the 80s, early 80s, mid-80s, it was that was a lot of money for me. And uh, I probably worked a month off and on to pay for that thing, but I had to have that set. And that was one of the best memories I had of, of something that I really, that we bought at the shop that, that meant so much to me at the time. It filled in a huge hole. And I don't think there's been better 1966 sets found anywhere since. I really don't. <laughs> well, that's it. we got to end, Dan. We're, we're out of time, but uh, thanks for ending on a 66 tops gem mint, perhaps pristine three sets, which I have no idea where they would be. <laughs> if you got one, mm-hmm. that's great. I don't remember that, but thanks, Dan. Uh, thanks, listeners. We'll be back. I'm, I got to get Dan uh, back again to finish uh, some of his stories. We, we, we didn't get the full hobby journey, but uh, we got the, the start of it. And Dan's been a good friend, colleague, and excellent uh, contributor to the hobby and to, to our former company. So thanks, Dan. Thanks, listeners. I'll be back again tomorrow Thank you. with another episode. The man in-